it's been a great week. I want to share something that happened that is also another great week thing. We um, have been struggling here wanting to figure out how do we get people who are cold and homeless shelter? We want people to have a place of shelter. And so we had called in some folks to help us look at our facility and say, could we, when the temperatures drop, because there's no shelter in Wright County, could we, could we do that? And we brought in some folks and they looked at me and they say, Pastor, we, we love your heart, but mm, there's just too many liabilities here in this building. You could, you know, in an emergency, you could bring someone in, but to have a regular uh, ability to help the homeless on, on real cold nights, that, that's not it. I said, okay. So I, I gathered our staff and I said, well, What's a crazy outside-the-box idea we could come up with? I said, man, what if we could just put them up in hotels? And, uh, you know, but we don't have money to do that. So I went to our, our, and our I called in the Salvation Army person, and, and she goes, actually, that's perfect. I said, yeah, but we don't have money. Uh, that, that, that costs money. She goes, yeah. But here's how we do it. First, uh, I've got some places that have agreed to handle the homeless. And second, I can get some really great rates, and I will vet them. And if we could work with Love, Inc., uh, they'll help vet them, and then we could do follow-up on them to get them out of this temporary situation and get them into long-term. And I said, but we don't have money. She goes, yeah, but don't worry about that. God will take care of it. Okay. So I had to miss, and it was back when, and then my back went out, so I had to miss this meeting with the ministerial. So she goes to this ministerial meeting of all the pastors here in Buffalo, and she goes, hey, Pastor Greg at Buffalo Free has this idea. And they all go, wow, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so then our partner, Love, Inc., goes out and finds $5,200 to fund it. And they come back and say, now you've got to write how it works. Because <laughs> it's your idea. So we've been writing on it and putting it together. And this week we housed our very first person. Yep. And he's being followed up on. Love, Inc. and Salvation Army are working with him to get him off the streets for good. And uh, folks, uh, God is good. But $5,200 just fell out of the sky. I mean, you know, it's like, we don't have the money. Don't worry, God will provide. If, and he did. And uh, praise God. You know, God is good. So we, we just want to share that joy with you about what God is doing. So, Jonah, chapter 2. Can you imagine? 
falling, wet, cold, in the water. It starts in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. He's been thrown overboard. He sees the ship leave. He goes in. He's alone. He's treading water. He's getting tired. He's thinking all alone. I'm frightened. I'm sinking. I'm all alone. I'm getting what I deserved. I'm running from God. I'm selfish. I'm entitled. I'm all alone. I cry to God. I cry to God. Alone. Treading water. Cold. Think about it. How often do we run from God, rebel against God, and end up in our own mess, treading water, feeling alone, sinking? But God shows up. Jonah, meet grace. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Grace. Undeserved. Unearned. You don't deserve it. Grace. Not something deserved, earned, worked for. God looks at this rebellious prophet and smiles and gives him favor in form of a ride. Grace. Some of you have heard the acronym GRACE, G R A C E, God's riches at Christ's expense. But for most of us, that, that just doesn't resonate. So if you're going to write out grace this morning, try this. It's, it's what my dear friend Matthew uh, defines as guaranteed redemption at Christ's expense. God purchasing you and me from the slave market of sin and setting us free through the cost of His Son. His redemption paid on the cross. God gives this rebel Jonah grace. This runner grace, a gift he doesn't deserve. He's fled the presence of God. He's turned his back on God. And yet God is so loving, he pours out this undeserved gift at this most crucial time. Now, I want you to think about this with me. For this one microsecond, your God, would you have given him grace? Or would you have said, you know what, <laughs> you got in this mess, I'm going to go find somebody else. 
<laughs> I'm done with you, Jonah. I gave you chance after chance, but not God. Not God. You may be sitting here this morning and the sound of my voice, I want you to know something, you're not here by accident. You may think that you've just exhausted every ounce of God's grace. I want to tell you something, you're here because of God's grace and God's one more chance. You haven't exhausted it, my friend. You may have been trying to run from God. You may have been trying to flee His presence. But I can tell you this. Write it down because I know it's true. You are hearing this morning that God hasn't given up on you. He's calling you to come to Him. He wants you to discover His grace today. Now it says fish. A great fish. Some of your translations say whale. The original says sea creature. That's the best translation of this word. Sea creature. What does that mean? We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. We don't know because it doesn't matter don't get hung up on what it is don't worry about what it is God took care of it so don't you get hung up on it is it a whale is it a fish is it a whale shark pastor Greg they got a big mouth they can take them in well it could be a whale shark uh, you know um, but you know, God isn't concerned about the vehicle. The vehicle gets way too much press. The hero of this story is not the vehicle, the hero of this story is God. Church, hear me. We're in an area surrounded by 79,000 people who need God. And God is still writing His story. God has a plan to reach out and call a people out for Himself and to show people His grace. And He's put our church in the midst of it. And it's a strategic place to be a vehicle for His grace. But it's not about the vehicle. We are not the hero of His story. He is. We're just the vehicle. Keep that in mind. God can do wonderful things as long as we keep the order in the right order. God's the hero. We're the ones He just wants to use. 
just as that sea creature was just the one God wanted to use. God will call people to himself. God will change lives as long as we get out of the way and let him do it. He says to you, he says to me, I have a task for you. Please do it. And the creature, when God said it to the creature, the creature obeyed. In fact, it says that he was numbered. He says, I appoint you. And this creature went out and did what he was supposed to do. May we as a people and we as a church be like that creature. And do what God calls us to do. But let's not worry about the vehicle. Now, but Pastor, couldn't it, couldn't it have been a whale shark? Well, yeah, but a whale shark would struggle in swallowing a man. It can bring it in its mouth, but, but the biologist will tell you, nope, nope, it can't swallow a man. It can just put it in its mouth. Well, what about a blue whale, Pastor? Could that do it? Well, yeah, it could take it in its mouth, but the biologist will then come back and say, well, it can't get it down its throat. The only whale that could do it would be a sperm whale. And if you can get past all its teeth and its throat can swallow a man, but then the biologist would shake his finger at you and go, but you know, you know, once he got down the throat, he'd end up in the belly, and the belly, you know, there'd be acid from the stomach and there'd be no oxygen it'd all be methane so he'd die and so he would argue that way and then you run into Jacques Cousteau how many of you remember Jacques Cousteau and the Calypso well he would go no no it wasn't a whale it wasn't a whale shark that swallowed Jonah it was a giant grouper over a thousand pounds. Because if you watch a grouper, it goes and sucks everything in. And it goes straight to the stomach. And Jonah would have fit perfectly. I don't know what it was. The Bible says creature. Because God says it doesn't matter. Ah, but Pastor Greg, it does. If it had been a grouper, how would he have lived for three days? If it had been a sperm whale, how would he have lived? Guys, I want to show you something here. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. In fact, Bible scholars look at this passage and uh, they, they say one of two things either happened. God kept Jonah alive for three days, wherever he was at. If he was in the belly of a sperm whale, that's a miracle. If he was inside of a grouper, that's a miracle. If he was inside something we don't know about, it's a miracle. Others 
Bible scholars, and they look at this passage, and they look at how it's written, they go, it looks like Jonah died and was resurrected. Guess what? Last time I checked, if a person dies and is resurrected, that's a miracle. That just doesn't happen every day. So whether he's alive three days or whether he dies and God resurrects him right before he spits him out, it doesn't matter. The whole thing is a miracle because of the grace of God. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, the Bible doesn't have a problem with that because the Bible presents it as matter of fact. It doesn't embellish it. You know, when it talks about this creature, it doesn't say, and it had these great horns, and it looked like this, and it looked like that, and it did this, and it did that, you know. It just said, and it was appointed, and it swallowed him, and three days later, spit him out. It just says it matter of fact. The Bible treats it as fact. And secondly, and just as important, Jesus presented it as true. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 12, 40. Jesus says, hey, I think it's true. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. It's a miracle. God intervenes. So let's go on. Time for Thanksgiving. If you're making notes, this heading is called Time for Thanksgiving. Then Jonah prayed out to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All, all your waves and all your billows passed over me. Then he said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed again excuse me, closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So I want you to see a couple things here. I want you to notice with me a few things. Notice first, The Lord is his God. The Lord is his God. Jonah 
cried out to his God. He has a relationship. He can give thanks because he has a relationship. Jonah says, he is mine. He's personal. He owns me. I have him. He's not just a concept. He's not just a being out there. He is mine. My friend, do you know God personally? Is he more than just a loving figure? Is he yours? And even more importantly, are you his? Notice, secondly, he's a God who hears. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol cried, and you heard my voice. What does every relationship desire? We just had Valentine's Day. For those of you who forgot, there's still time. It's 50% off at the store. But what does every relationship really want? Hear me. Hear me. Know me. Understand me. Hear my cry. No matter where I'm at, hear my cry. Sheol is the land of the dead. That's why some think that he was dead. He's saying, I'm in the land of the dead and still you hear me. I can't escape you. You hear me. Your grace is inescapable. And you heard me. I'm in a place where there's no hope. Sheol, all hope is gone. But you heard me. And now I have hope. Friend, are you in a place today that your hope is gone? Are you sitting here today and you're saying, I have no hope, Pastor. I stumbled in this door because somebody made me. Grace says, God hears your cry. you can find hope because your cry has been heard. 
Notice what happens next. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounds me. All your waves and your billows pass over me. I am driven from your sight. Do you feel like you've been cast away from God? Do you feel like it's hopeless that God is gone? You've been, you're from his sight. You're alone. Jonah's saying, my life is over. But notice what he says. Yet I will see your holy temple again. Even if this life is over, I will see God again. Why? Because if you look at this passage, this is a man who has been grounded in two things. This passage has been taken out of the Psalms. He's been grounded in the Word of God. And this passage is a prayer. This is a man who prays. And because the Word of God has told him over and over, even if it's finished, those who belong to God will see God again. God does not forsake those who are His. He may discipline, but He does not forsake. He does not forget. He does not abandon. Oh, friend. Oh, Christian. Have you felt that God is far away? God doesn't abandon his own. He's still there. He's still there. But notice what he says. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. My prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There's something missing here. There's something missing in Jonah's prayer. And we're going to see it come back and bite him. We're going to see it come back and take root in his heart. And this morning, it's a warning. God has put it here to show it as a warning. Jonah never says, I am broken. I have sinned against you and you alone. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. This is a shot against the bow of the Ninevites. We're seeing a little bit of bitterness. A little bit of hope for judgment against the Ninevites in this statement. And he's saying, God, now, now remember them. 
God, I'm going to go. I'm going to pay my vow. You've shown me grace. Salvation is from you alone. It belongs to you. But somewhere, I believe, a corner of his heart is saying, I'm bitter. I'm bitter against these people. I'm bitter against them. I'll do what you called me to do. I'll carry out my vow. And I thank you for being you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for hearing me. I thank you for understanding my pain. But God, I'm still bitter. My friends, how many times do we allow it to get in the way, bitterness? God, I'll do what you called me to do, but I'm bitter. You know, the people you've asked me to love, the people you've asked me to forgive, the people you've asked me to reach out to, the people you've asked me to care about, I'll do it. But I don't have to like it. I'll do it. But I don't have to really forgive them. Deep down, God, you know I'm in the right and they don't deserve your grace. I do. They don't measure up and I don't have to release them. Friends, bitterness strikes all of us. I think of Paul as he had to plead for the two women who served side by side with him. And he talks to, to this wonderful little church. He says, help them. They're fighting. Sometimes we're bitter against those that God has called us to minister with. Sometimes God has called us to people to minister to, and we're bitter against them as well. Either way, a change develops for the people of Jesus Christ when we allow bitterness develop, and we begin doing what we do simply out of fulfilling a vow. Friend, are you fulfilling it out of joy, or are you just doing a vow this morning because of bitterness. God saw that because he put him in time out. I mean, talk about the time out he put him in. You know, I'm going to put you in this fish thing for three days and you can't even move until you think this through. Now that's time out. Look what it says. When my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. As we reflect on these verses, I want you to see something. God has the power to send his Uber to pick up Jonah. thought that would be a little funnier. He has the power to do a miracle whether to keep Jonah alive for three days in the belly of the sea creature or to raise him from the dead, his power is on display. God gives Jonah time to reflect. 
He gives him space to consider his actions. Are you in a place right now that God has put you to stop and reflect? Is he having you contemplate your actions and your life right now to put your trust and obedience in him? Jonah had to stop, think, and pray. And he didn't quite get all the way. But he got far enough. So he's ready to go and carry out his call. Not perfectly. We're going to see that in a moment. We'll see that in a moment. And then God's reset. And Jonah spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Next week, we are going to peel back the curtain and see what this means to the people of Nineveh. We're going to see what this timeout meant for Jonah. We're going to see how God doesn't waste anything. And when, even when we head the wrong way, God turns it into something beautiful and uses it for his glory. Recently, when you're on your back, you don't get to move a lot. So I was watching this series on people who had been lost in the woods and in life and death situations. And so this one guy had fallen, got a concussion, he was up in the woods, and he was lost. He had no idea where he was going. He was in a section of the woods. There was no help except at one lake. He knew that there would be Boy Scouts at one lake. And if he could get there, if he could get there, he could live. But he didn't know where north was, south was, east was, west was, because of the density of the woods. And with a concussion, he came up to one conclusion. I have to climb a tree. I have to climb 50 plus feet up in the air with a concussion to get my bearings. I would have died. But he didn't. The guy climbed. Woozy, wanting to pass out, throwing up along the way. He makes it to the top of the tree. And he sees the lake. He knows where it's at. He climbs down. He marks his way so he knows how not to get lost. And then he finds a clearing and he finds the North Star that night and he uses a way to make he, how to find the lake. 
And finally he finds the lake. He's dirty. He's covered with brush. He's bleeding. And he finds some Boy Scouts. And he bursts out of the brush. He starts yelling at them. They start running. He starts yelling every Boy Scout motto he had ever heard all his life. He finally says, I'm an Eagle Scout. And they stop and get him help. He's saved. Jonah tells us he had a North Star to guide him. He had a tree he climbed for direction. Twice in the passage we just read, he mentions the temple. The first time he mentions it, he's talking about Solomon's temple, the temple in Jerusalem. The second is a reference to the heavenly temple. I believe what Jonah is doing is getting his bearings by focusing on God and worshiping him. He is worshiping God, this man who is steeped in the scriptures and steeped in prayer, is ascribing to him the worth that God is due. He is pausing to take himself, his eyes off himself and put them on his true north, the God of the universe. His God, through his worship, becomes his focus. Friend, are you lost today? Has your life gotten turned around? Have you lost your bearings? I'm going to ask that you would stop right now and focus on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator, Jesus Christ, and ascribe to Him the glory, the honor, the praise that is due Him. Give Him the worship that is His. Pause right now. Get your bearings. Take your eyes off yourself. Put them on Him. Focus on Him. Put them on your King. And I'm going to ask our elder to come forward and lead us in prayer to our King. I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward and help us focus our attention on our King of Kings.